Hello, and welcome to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast, where we explore company culture in the fascinating world of manufacturing. I'm your host, Jim Mayer, and today we have the pleasure of welcoming Lisa Massi-Antonio, the Chief Workforce Officer for the Advanced Robotics for Manufacturing Institute. With over 25 years of experience as a performance-driven leader, Lisa has led the charge in cultivating business strategies, developing new offerings, and driving thought leadership positions in the robotics industry. But that's not all. Lisa's exceptional work has earned her numerous accolades, including being recognized as one of 20 worldwide exceptional women in robotics and automation by SME in 2021, and being named as one of the top 100 influential leaders in Pittsburgh Tech in 2022 by Technically Pittsburgh Realist Connectors. Today, Lisa will discuss how robotics and manufacturing can lead to more a more positive company culture. She'll also be sharing some specific examples of how employees can benefit from working alongside robots, how robotics can foster can help to foster a more collaborative work environment, and how it can create a more diverse and inclusive workplace. So sit back, relax, and get ready for an enlightening conversation on how robotics is shaping the future of manufacturing culture. Hey, hey, Lisa, how are you doing today? That was a mouthful. Sorry, it took me a while to get to you. How are you doing? Hi, Jim. Thank you for having me. I'm terrific. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's uh, a beautiful day. The sun is shining. I'm blessed to be here uh, and so excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, it, it's going to be a good one. It's I, I can already feel it. Likewise. Awesome. So Lisa, uh, before we jump into uh, some of these questions I've prepared today, uh, give me our listeners, a little bit more of an understanding of the ARM Institute. Who are you? What, what do you guys do? What are you passionate about? What's your mission? Oh, thanks, Jim. Uh, so the ARM Institute is one of 16 institutes that fall under a government um, set of uh, organizations called Manufacturing USA. And a number of years ago, the government invested in these institutes um, and they're all focused on raising the state of the practice and reinvigorating manufacturing into the United States. So um, each of the 16 institutes has a different charter. Some are focused on biomanufacturing, some are focused on semiconductors. Uh, we've got one focused on functional fabrics, uh, lightweight materials. ARM happens to focus on robotics, automation, and artificial intelligence. So you can imagine that we're uh, one of the institutes that are more pervasive across the other 16 sure. uh, because of where advanced manufacturing is going with the implementation of these automated uh, capabilities like the, the robots and where that's taking us with artificial intelligence. Uh, we are one of the younger of the 16. We're uh, moving into our sixth year. And, wow, congratulations. Um, oh, why, thank you. Uh, the way that we're set up is every five years, we have a review with our government sponsors. 
and ours was glowing last year. So I'm really excited to say that, yes, exactly. We'll be moving into our next five years. So uh, we are here to stay. We're thriving. We're uh, doing great. We are a consortia-based organization with nearly 400 organizations uh, representing different parts of the ecosystem. And they help to influence where our roadmap is going. Um, we take the government's money and we reinvest through project calls, both sure. on the technical side and on the workforce side. That's fantastic. Sounds like that sounds like a dream job. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That that is one of the every once in a while you hear somebody talk about what they do and you, you kind of sit back and reflect and you say, gosh, that would be a dream job. I think you have one of those jobs, Lisa. I, I think I might have the best job in the United <laughs> States, in any country. <laughs> I, I don't think I disagree with that statement. So Lisa, tell me about the team there. T tell us about the, the team at ARM. How, how big is the team in general? How big is the team that you run? Uh, we've got just over 30 employees right now, and we're intentionally small because, as I mentioned, with these set of experts that we've got um, across our membership, we're able to pool people's expertise to help influence what we're doing, help sure. to do um, some of the subject matter expertise that's necessary in our role. From the workforce side, we are four strong. Um, I have a team that focuses on certifications and uh, leveraging the training programs that are out there. And we focus on um, evaluating the best practices in training through our endorsement capability, uh, which is almost like an ISO audit to evaluate the uh, things that are going well with robotics training and mapping to certain competencies mm -hmm. in our robotics competency framework. Uh, we've got some grants that are taking place. So we've got strong program management skills. Uh, we're in the midst of designing a learning lab and experience center right now cool. in our headquarters at Mill 19 in Pittsburgh. And um, obviously, uh, with all of that going on, we've got strong relationship management and partnering uh, expertise on our team. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, that's just that's amazing to me. Um, so, Lisa, I don't think many of our listeners, myself included, uh, understand what it's like to work for a government-funded institution. Talk to us a little bit uh, before we get into these questions about what the culture is like at a 30-plus person organization uh, that's government-funded. How does that uh, differ from some of the other organizations that you've worked for? That's a great question, Jim. So. Um, in, in essence, when you're working for an organization that's federally funded, you want to make sure that you are focusing on the greater good. And mm -hmm. when I talk about the greater good, it's doing things that are benefiting our stakeholders versus competing with them. Mm -hmm. And so as uh, you and I had talked about uh, before, um, ARM doesn't want to get into the business of creating um, training programs and certifications, we want to leverage what's already out there. And sure. so from a workforce standpoint, we've um, made a very intentional decision to focus on um, setting a, uh, a variety of capabilities for um, students, for training providers and employers 
to all be able to find one another. And we've created roboticscareer.org where we've designed a competency framework and a variety of career pathways to help demystify where these new jobs are going. Um, and when you talk about the company culture, um, it, it can cause whiplash for people sure. who don't really understand what the value of robotics will mean to them. <clears throat> so um, we're helping to uh, put some standardization and, as I said, demystify that. Uh, along with the um, uh, competency framework and career pathways, we've got about 17,000 training programs represented in robotics career where we're able to tell people, if you're looking to move in these kinds of career pathways, here are the skills that you will need and where to find them. And then I mentioned the endorsement program. Uh, we'll be moving into some capabilities now where uh, employers are able to, through a job wizard capability, um, create a, a diverse group of job descriptions. And then from the individual standpoint, they're able to put together a personalized um, portfolio about themselves. So that's one example of working for a government entity where we've got that luxury to be able to uh, focus on the national needs and to make sure as many people are gaining value as possible. Wow, that's really neat. So how, how can robotics in general in manufacturing lead to a more positive company culture for those manufacturers? Do you have any specific examples of, of those kinds of situations? I, I definitely do. And I'm going to break this into two parts. One, I'll talk about it from the employer perspective, which is pretty cut and dry. And then from the employee perspective. Sure. So from an employer's perspective, um, they're uh, moving into a culture where we're onshoring uh, more capabilities and we're putting more demands on the manufacturer to support our national infrastructure. And so okay. manufacturers are installing um, robots and automated solutions into their production lines. Um, and it's for the intent to improve productivity, their accuracy, repeatability, and overall quality. Um, they're able to improve their productivity um, by just simply having greater volume and fast results of their outputs. Mm. Um, as they um, incorporate these advanced processes that require precision, um, that's really important because of all of the uh, inspections, the OSHA requirements. So sure. um, let me give you an example. One of the projects that we have funded early on in um, the cycles of our technology advancements was uh, looking at the surface treatments and how you handle helicopter blades. Um, hmm. what, what we were finding when it was done by humans, uh, you might have multiple shifts doing the same job. So I might be on the first shift and I'm, I'm sanding and, and I'm, I'm taking the paint off in, uh, with the strength and the motions that I bring. Yeah. Uh, the next shift comes in, it might be somebody bigger and stronger than me, somebody uh, more slight or weaker, uh, sure. going at a different um, uh, granularity uh, or a different motion. Uh, that blade may not pass inspection with that many people touching it. By automating it, 
um, that's going to give that exact precision that um, the um, the helicopter blade manufacturer needs to pass inspection. Sure. So that's one example from an employer's perspective. From an employee's perspective, um, we're dealing with critical issues across the country. Uh, and the fact is that there's just this enormous skills gap uh, due to the lack of skilled workforce in manufacturing. Yeah. And those who are in manufacturing, sometimes it's a misalignment of their skills. Uh, recently, I read that there's about 11,000 baby boomers retiring each day, <laughs> and only 6% of the millennials and Gen Z say that they would get into manufacturing. Right. So that's um, uh, creating this skills gap that I described. And by not having enough people to do those critical jobs, that's definitely going to impact the culture of a, a workforce uh, and inside of a manufacturing environment. Um, and it's one of the key reasons that manufacturers are including robots and automation is because they simply don't have the people to do the work. Yeah. Um, on a positive note, these are new opportunities for employees to upskill and <laughs> to take on these new and exciting 21st century skills. Um, yeah. And my personal opinion is that uh, once they get through the confusion part of of what will take place with automation, that's really going to help improve the overall culture. Got um, it. Yeah, definitely. And in another simple benefit, Jim, is that the employees um, they're going to have an improved worker safety and well-being uh, feeling about their jobs. Uh, you sure. always hear about these manufacturing jobs that are dirty, dull, and dangerous. <laughs> but you, yeah, I know that many of your <laughs> podcasts, that's probably a, a common theme yep. when you look at manufacturing environments. Um, a, an example there of improved culture um, in a work environment, we work really closely with a lot of the military um, sustainment centers, and one of which um, which is responsible for painting and paint removal of aircraft wings. Um, they recently automated their painting capabilities um, by using a, a variety of different machining. And they went from a culture where the individuals um, found, you know, they felt ill more frequently, they had irritations. Um, when they created this automated solutions, uh, not only was it faster productivity, but it was safer and there's greater precision. So there's greater job satisfaction about not having to redo the work. Sure. Um, and, and mostly uh, the benefit when we interviewed the teams was that they've acquired these new skills. They felt like they were really moving ahead in their careers versus feeling like they were stuck in a rut. And, and this is a perfect example um, that robots are not displacing these people, um, but we're really using the robots to help upskill the workforce and meet the demands that come with automation. Got it. Got it. Uh, Lisa, I've got a, a, a follow-up question to something you mentioned in, in that answer there. Uh, you, you talked about the skills gap and uh, we, you're right. We've talked about it on the show before. Um, it's uh, an issue in manufacturing. And if people aren't aware of it, then I don't know where they've been for the last 15 <laughs> years or so. Um, 
One of the things that I see and I run into as I'm working with different workforce development organizations is that parental perception of manufacturing, right? And uh, that it is that dirty, dangerous uh, environment, uh, toxic environment, etc. So do you think robotics can help change the perception, the parental perception that would then encourage that or help them encourage their children uh, to pursue manufacturing careers? My goodness, that's a great question, Jim, because um, I would say that's one of the biggest um, challenges is to overcome those perceptions. And and it's not just the dirty, dull, dangerous. It's the your grandparents got laid off from manufacturing. Yep. Um, eventually, we'll outsource everything again. So there's a tremendous amount of miscommunication that's out there. And uh, I think as a society that wants to focus on bringing more manufacturing back to the United States and making these great career pathways for individuals, that it's something that we all can start to focus on together is helping to change that perspective. And it won't happen overnight. It sure. definitely is not going to happen overnight. Um, so we need to uh, find the right venues and to create those positive narratives, uh, get into the STEM-minded um, people to talk about as you're learning how to use these 3D printers or how you're learning to code, um, these skills can all be brought into these great paying, um, highly um, movable in a positive trajectory careers. Right. Absolutely. I love it. Um, so Lisa, I'm going to pause right here. Um, you answered questions two and three that I sent you in that first answer. So I'm just going to skip to four. I didn't want you to uh, feel like I was throwing you a curveball here. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. So Lisa, how how do companies successfully integrate robotics into manufacturing processes while still maintaining that positive company culture? And, and what challenges uh, are you seeing that they may face or, or that you can help them anticipate facing when it comes to their company culture? So Jim, we've already discussed the fact that industrial robots are going to help boost productivity, safety, time savings, all of the things that you and I have been discussing. Uh, we've also discussed that robots are able to produce incredibly accurate, consistent, high quality work without the needs uh, for breaks or holidays off. Yeah. Um, some suggestions that I have for maintaining a positive company culture um, most importantly, it's the transparency to the workforce. We all need to ensure that the employees know the reason um, that they've decided to make these automated solutions. So for example, hey, hey folks, we need to stay competitive. So therefore we've got to increase the productivity. Uh, hey folks, we don't have enough workers uh, mm -hmm. to get the work done. So we need to automate some of the functions. Um, and in uh, another critical thing is, hey, folks, too many employees are getting injured in certain areas of the production process. I care enough about you all to make the investment to put a robot doing those jobs. And then we're going to figure out how you move forward with our company 
uh, in these 21st century careers. Uh, another thing is to um, not only be transparent, but to share with the employees the benefits of sure. adding these robots, ensure them uh, that this creates more opportunities for them to move ahead in their careers um, by obtaining these new skills. Uh, an example there um, is an interview we did with a, a gentleman who had moved from being a welder to um, operating a welding machine. Mm. And um, the, the fact that the company took the time to provide the training to upskill this individual, um, now this, this person operates the welding robot and does the inspection of the seam. Wow. Uh, that's really a different mindset in what this individual anticipated taking the job in manufacturing. And another benefit uh, for both the employee and the employer is the healthcare ramifications. Sure. This individual no longer was going home with burns, uh, flash in their eyes. Yep. So it creates an opportunity for longevity in the position and it decreases the healthcare cost for sure. that organization. Uh, another key element here is um, higher pay and uh, they can see the upward mobility instead of saying, oh, uh, every day I'm gonna go in and do the same exact thing. Now they're seeing, hey, if I take this other course, maybe I can move into a training position, a managerial position. Maybe I can take on a role where I'm focused more on electrical systems or um, a, a different uh, part of the uh, environment of other parts of the mechanical systems. Yeah. Um, the employer um, should always be concerned about the health and well-being of the employees. And that is critical for them to know that the uh, employer is really focused on taking care of them. Um, and a potential challenge, um, however, is that um, is you and I talked about people are going to be naturally fearful that yeah. robots will be taking their job. So again, the transparency and the reasons why manufacturers are adding the robots to continually assure the workforce uh, that it's a great benefit to them. Um, Absolutely. Well, and, and we're seeing that, uh, I, I mean, I remember a decade ago when uh, maybe more when robotics really started coming into the manufacturing centers. Um, and, you know, that was a talk. Hey, uh, they're all going to take our jobs. We're not going to have any jobs. And I think institutions like yourselves, companies that that sell robotics, were very clear about how the robots can lead to upskilling and can lead to uh, those higher jobs, more safety, et cetera. Um, but now we've got AI out there. We've got ChatGPT. And, and so it seems like those conversations have resurfaced uh, about automation, robotics, AI, taking jobs. Walk us through uh, how you guys are, are approaching that, that conversation right now. So one of the big challenges, and, and I can tell you this comes from many, many surveys and interviews and workshops um, and how we came up with the whole competency framework is through a, a broad, diverse set of people coming together for a solution summit. Okay. And the solutions are on their way. But let me tell you what 
uh, people do poorly. <laughs> Unfortunately, is everybody gets behind it and says, great, we're going to upgrade that welder and we're going to get them some training and uh, everybody's going to be happy in their job. The one thing that they forget to do, and, and I'm talking, this is from um, the folks in industrial sectors, government and military, our unions, is they put people in these new jobs, but they forget to change the HR policies and create these new job classifications and associated salaries. So people have that knee-jerk reaction of, great, you're making me do all of this stuff and you're not incentivizing me for it. So that would be the one uh, gotcha yeah. that we have learned across the board is that the HR policies, the job classifications and salaries all have to be right sized Interesting. when you take on these new automated functions. So do you help coach uh, manufacturers through that adjustment to their HR uh, and people strategies? We are doing so right now, Jim. And it's it's a matter of um, the, the changes that we're making within roboticscareer.org um, where we're helping people with these job matching functions sure. and the career tracking functions that we're adding. And this is what we're learning along the way is um, the simple fact that people um, aren't considering the ramifications from an administrative standpoint. So it's always a cautionary tale that we give to people. We actually, from the government standpoint, have created um, three new classifications with nine new job descriptions that we've recommended to the Office of Personnel Management through our military um, uh, entities that we're servicing um, wow. to help make those changes and those recommendations. That's really cool, Lisa. I, I like that a lot. So along those lines, how, how do you think the use of robotics in manufacturing helps manufacturers attract and retain that top talent? And and to further that, what kind of message does it send to those prospective employees about that manufacturer's values and, and company culture? Yeah, this is something that we, uh, a challenge that's always raised within our ecosystem um, the manufacturers struggle with writing those job descriptions. Mm -hmm. um, prospective employees don't know how to find these positions. Um, I mentioned that the job matching functionality within robotics career, uh, out of a necessity, you, you can only take people so far until um, they can't find one another. Yeah. And so we want to help um, put that standardization uh, and show those skills that are associated with each of those roles um, that we had talked about uh, and show people the career pathways. What is the art of the possible in um, their new manufacturing careers? Um, and so hopefully uh, as our capabilities mature, more people will come uh, to bear to help us move our capabilities where they need us to go and us not to make um, the the uh, mistakes that we might make if we're not working in manufacturing. So the assumptions can cause us to go down to a deeper uh, path. So we need the voice of the customer, the voice of the uh, impending employees to help drive us. Um, when it comes to attracting talent, um, 
you know, we've, we've already talked about it. We've got to overcome those stereotypes. Yeah. We've got to get that perspective, not only to the students, to the parents. And, and this isn't something the RM Institute can do alone. It's something that uh, we all have to help people understand what the value proposition is, um, yeah. whether it be you won't have college loans. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we can get you ready and then do on-the-job training and continue to upskill. So it's a mindset and a cultural change. I love it. I love it. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, Lisa, one of the things that we do talk about a lot on the Manufacturing Culture podcast here is diversity, inclusion, uh, belonging in the workplace. And, and so what in what ways can robotics help manufacturers create a, a more diverse and inclusive workplace? Uh, and, and have you seen uh, that out there in, in the workforce? I, I've seen the intent uh, to focus on um, more diverse populations. Uh, the government is really um, creating a lot of momentum for diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. Yeah. And so when you've got these massive skills gaps and the ramifications to the company's bottom line, um, with advanced manufacturing, employers can now look at larger talent pools. And uh, to fill those workforce skills gaps that we've talked about, um, you can't just hope uh, people um, of one race or one gender are getting into manufacturing. There's right. now room for attracting people of different races, different backgrounds, uh, looking into programs to appropriately attract both urban and rural areas. With advanced manufacturing, uh, people with physical and developmental disabilities are target rich um, to take on the jobs in manufacturing. So I would say um, the mindset is there, the will is there, and now we all have to take action together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I, I could imagine that uh, the the neurodiverse community would be very into um, careers in, in robotics. Have, have you guys worked with neurodiverse organizations to help uh, get them involved in, in careers in manufacturing? Across our ecosystem, absolutely. That's one of the um, key demographics for getting um, new people into manufacturing. And so um, helping them to understand which boot camps are out there, which community colleges are focused on them. And then ultimately, what are the specific jobs that you would be um uh, able to thrive in and how do you get from point A into those positions is definitely something not just ARM, but our whole ecosystem uh, have been talking about and focusing on. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you've mentioned, you know, these boot camps and, and some of the uh, community colleges, et cetera. Um, what, what kind of training uh, do employees need or do employers need to provide their employees uh, in order to effectively and safely work alongside uh, robots in, in manufacturing settings? 
So um, I would say, first of all, it's critical to ensure that the basic training from a robot company or a robot integrator um, is brought in at the same time as the robot. So they're going to have those uh, training programs that are canned. Uh, but the employer definitely has to subsidize that with something to show the employees um, what other kinds of improvements or changes are taking place uh, related to things like compliance, uh, sure. new operations uh, based on the inclusion of robots. So the manufacturer definitely wants to subsidize uh, so that they can minimize the risks um, with the skills training um, as uh, they're updating these processes. Now, depending on the role of the individual, uh, there may be additional training requirements. Um, and I think um, a, a good way to look at it is to say, okay, I've got 25 robotic uh, technicians uh, in my new world. Mm -hmm. uh, not all of them should be doing the same thing. So how do I find um, uh, the people who need to know about safety? How do I need to find the people to focus on things like robot programming, maintenance and troubleshooting, electronics and controls, so forth and so on. And then um, not all of the individuals need to take the same training. So you've got to make sure everybody is honing in on a skill that is going to optimize what you need in your manufacturing environment. And that's specifically one of the reasons why uh, we've gathered those 17,000 training assets that I had mentioned earlier mm -hmm. in robotics career to figure out what is the right training um, at the right pace for each individual. Great, I love it. Do robots help with collaboration, human-to-human uh, -human collaboration within a manufacturing uh, setting? Are, are, are you seeing that manufacturers who add robotics create higher levels of, of collaboration among their employees? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it used to be scary to put a robot in, but with the emergence of Cobots, which is a robot that can work alongside a human colleague on the production or assembly line, um, and it's safer now, you're mm -hmm. taking away those safety features. Um, it, the Cobots offer a way for manufacturers to subsidize that skilled labor and expertise, especially these days when there's such a scarcity of those qualified employees. Uh, Cobots can also help to improve production, um, create um, more rapid outputs. And uh, most importantly, as we've already talked about, put the Cobots in those areas where those jobs are dirty, dull, and dangerous. Yep. Um, that's going to help people feel better about awesome. working alongside of these robots safely. Absolutely, I completely agree. Um, so, how how can manufacturers balance using technology like automation or like robotics with their not only desire but need from their customer to have a personal or human touch in their manufacturing processes? So, um, so I'm going to be honest. Um, when you look at the bottom line for manufacturers, they're running a business, okay? Yeah. So they're going to be more focused on that than the personal touch. Um, 
But with workplace automation, um, they're um, saving the money by eliminating those costly errors, um, which means they're keeping their employees safer. Um, Automation is going to help the employees' tasks um, being completed more efficiently. So the personal touch is really going to come in um, when the leaders are able to ensure um, that they are sensitive and deliberate on how they message um, this shift to the employees. Um, And it's going to show the employees that they are taking on the financial cost of um, adding the robots so that they can keep people safe. They can help them build these new skills and these new career pathways. So the more that the technology increases and changes, the greater the skills of the workers um, will continue to upskill to shift and adapt to those changes. So that human touch um, isn't obvious, um, but as the the cultural shift um, with today's technologies, will require that lifelong learning journey versus the way manufacturers have always worked where they hone in on one skill and they grow that mastery. So they're going to have to work with the manufacturing leaders to make sure that they're getting what they need to mutually grow. So I think that's where that personal touch comes in between the employer and the employee. Got it. And that makes complete sense. So Lisa, what what is the the future of robotics. I mean, in in my time in the industry, we've I've gone from seeing you know the basic arm robots uh, to pick and place machines that are uh, helping load CNC machines to collaborative robots. Um, what's the future of robotics and manufacturing look like? That's a great question, Jim. Um, and it's one we hear often. We, we've we been working with our membership to create a future of the workforce study, which will be coming out in the next couple of months. And let me tell you what we've learned. Um, the future um, will continue to be uh, heavily automated and um, that's okay. Because okay. when when you look at that skills gap, you wanna make sure everybody is staying current and everybody is reaping the benefits. So um, from an employer standpoint, the employer needs to look five years down the road, 10 years down the road to make sure they are setting their workforce up to be able to achieve those skills um, to get them um, through the next 10 years of business. Mm -hmm. The employees need to be thinking about where is it that I want to go? Where is it that I want to be in 10 years? And how do I work with my manager or uh, my overall employer to obtain those skills and stay on pace with those technology changes? What we often forget about though is uh, the training providers. Uh So if you look at a community college, um, the, the community college has to have somebody champion a cause, let's say artificial intelligence, and they need to say, hey, this is where the world is going. They've got to get the approval. They've got to get the money. They've got to create the course. They've got to find a teacher. They've got to enlist the students. And two or three years later, they're starting to get people into 
um, something that they've been worried about for three years. And so right. they're already behind pace. So my um, guidance is to make sure as we improve um, the understanding of where we're going at the manufacturer level, the potential employees, the current employees, and the training providers all have to be thinking about that next five or 10 years. We can't always be playing catch up. Sure. Uh, that makes total sense. Lisa, where, what role does AI play? I mean, I, I, I play around with chat GPT. Uh, you see it all over the place. Uh, people are writing social media posts and, and blog posts and all sorts of stuff using AI technology. How do you think AI will impact the manufacturing industry uh, as, a, as a whole? Well, I think because um, there has been so much automation already, the data that is being produced um, and what we're learning from these automated solutions will help us to make those improvements. Mm. Um, I don't think you're ever going to have a fully autonomous um, AI capability because you need somebody to maintain and operate those robots. Sure. Um, but as we learn more, from the data and AI is improved, it definitely, I think it's actually going to help the industry. Um, because if, if we're talking about things like semiconductors and bio, uh, there are some hazardous materials that we um, likely don't want human beings to be in contact with. Sure. So understanding where the artificial intelligence is driving uh, the need for the next generation um, is only going to make it stronger. That's, yeah, that's absolutely true. So <clears throat> last question for you, Lisa, what, what do you think the long-term benefits for manufacturers in terms of ROI, in terms of their human-centeredness, et cetera, what are the long-term benefits of uh, manufacturers incorporating those robotics into their processes? Sure. So off the top of my head, some of the long-term benefits would be greater safety for the employees. That's that's the number one thing, sure. in my opinion, uh, which will then lead to job satisfaction. You've got better quality and consistency to produce the materials, which will make us more competitive um, in the global environment. Maximum productivity and throughput will keep the manufacturers um, happy and in business reduced direct labor cost uh, to support company profitability, um, which will ultimately be able to flow down to um, the rest of the employees for uh, greater paychecks and benefits. Uh, expertise can be scarce, so using robots can help manufacturers respond to that skills gap. Uh -huh. um, I, I know it's just getting worse and worse, and when you look at um, the perspective of how um, the Manufacturing Institute in Deloitte, uh, they estimate that 4.6 million manufacturing jobs will need to be filled in the United States over the next decade. Mm -hmm. And with the current trajectory, 2.4 million jobs will be left unopen, or left open, excuse me, mm -hmm. due to the lack of the trained workforce. Um, and so when people are telling us that they've got 12,000 robot technicians uh, positions open and small and mediums are saying they've got 12. 
that's a serious problem. Wow. Um, and so when I look at the long-term benefits, um, that is one of the key elements of uh, adding robots. Um, wow. when, when you talk about the culture, and I know that's what we're here to talk about, <laughs> um, I, I'd make an argument that since robots are often assigned to perform those tasks, that people don't particularly enjoy those dirty uh, jobs, those dangerous jobs, the things that are repetitive motions, um, tedious work. Um, I'm going to make an argument that one of the key cultural benefits is employees are likely to be happier, to experience less injuries, um, have more longevity on the job, make more money, and uh, have these opportunities to have these career broadening 21st century jobs, uh, unlike the days of old where um, they they only stay at one um, skill set. So they're going to be able to gain more. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Lisa, what, what kind of uh, parting comments, tips, or anything that you'd like to share with uh, the listeners today do you have for us? Uh, I would say my parting tip, and it's probably not a surprise to your listeners, is that these manufacturing jobs are cool. They are. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> uh, they really are cool. Uh, when you look at the things that the the folks get to do in manufacturing, um, I hope more people take it upon themselves to get into these um, jobs and to enjoy what they're learning and to have that high touch capability with these uh, great, uh, really interesting. Um, automated solutions. I don't think people will be disappointed. And um, I, I think the more that we talk to our younger audiences and their parents and the schools about what the opportunities are, um, will help to get more people interested and involved. Um, and uh, again, as a national institute, we want to help focus on it. And I encourage everybody to look at our free resource, um, roboticscareer.org, because there are a lot of things that uh, people can get from it and it's no cost to them. Uh, I echo that. Uh, I did in my research, take a, a look at the, the website, Lisa, and it's phenomenal. So uh, anybody listening, please check out uh, roboticscareer.org. Uh, there's a wealth of information uh, whatever your role is in the manufacturing ecosystem, check it out. Um, so that's a wrap for today, folks. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this amazing episode of the Manufacturing Culture Podcast featuring our, our very special guest, Lisa Massi-Antonio, Chief Workforce Officer for Advanced Robotics Manufacturing Institute. Lisa shared today some valuable insights on how robotics and manufacturing can lead to a more positive company culture, foster collaboration and inclusivity in the workplace, and address health and safety concerns that are so common in this industry. So thank you very much, Lisa, for joining us today and sharing your expertise with our listeners. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the Manufacturing culture podcast, wherever you may listen to your podcasts for more insights on how to build a positive company culture in the manufacturing industry. 
Join us again next time for another exciting episode of the podcast where we'll continue to explore the company cultures in the world of manufacturing. Until then, have a great day and keep making things. Thank mm-hmm. you.